Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Sunday, August 26th, 2018. Hey, Julie. Yes. Thank you very much for the misty, cool weather this morning. Oh, you're welcome. I had been working on that. All right. Yeah. I'm glad. You'll notice. Look, I wore a sweatshirt. Woo! I got one on too. It was misty at my house and it stayed misty all the way in. And I will probably have to take it off later today because it's going to get warmish. But. This is my little way of uh, sending a message to Mother Nature. Please bring it on. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Summer is. I'm. I'm done. Yeah. We got technically we got like four weeks left. I'm done. Me too. I was done in March with this summer, and it is time for my favorite season, autumn, which I'm pretty sure I smelled in the air today. I'm pretty sure I did. Just <laughs> listen. I'm just doing everything I can. To help this along, thank that's you. all. Thank I think we, much. I think we should encourage it. And but I thank you because I know you're actually. You don't just report the weather. I know for certain. I make it happen. You are in charge, which is why I get angry with you on other days. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, here to help you design and build yourself a beautiful home, and to do it more artfully and more affordably than you ever imagined. Authenticity. Authenticity is a tricky, tricky word. It's like defining the word race when it comes to human beings. You know, it may seem on the surface like it's pretty easy to figure out. You just look at somebody's face, and you're like, oh, you belong to that race, or you come from this race. But the truth is, if you're even a half-thinking person, you know these days. Genetic history for all of us, it's a mixed bag, right? We are all muddy. We are basically just mutts. Even those of us who look like purebreds, we're not. We're mutts. We're all mutts. All you have to do is take one of those 23andMe or or, uh, Ancestry.com tests to find out just how mixed up your ancestry really is. And I think that's a great thing. But back to authenticity. That's one of those words where we like to think when it comes to home styles, classic origins of architectural motifs, that there is a thing called authentic and that there is something called uh, authenticity and uh, pure lines when it comes to those styles. 
yeah, there are some. There are some defining features. But at the same time, it gets a little bit overrated. However, I know you're out there, and you, many of you have chosen a particular style of home to live in because it kind of coincides with how you want to live your life and the story that you want to tell. Uh, <clears throat> and yet, so many of the homes that have been built for us across the Southwest, here in Southern California, eh, they have taken a, let's just put it mildly and say, a half-hearted approach to the authenticity of the styles that they are attempting to emulate. Well, we're going to do away with that today. We're going to, without being crazy and hyper-authentic, I want to talk to you about several different styles of classic architectural motifs today and what you can do, what is within your reach, the most important things you can do in order to boost the authenticity of the style of home that you're living in, the things that have done wrong that you can correct, the things that haven't been done at all that you can push forward to uh, take it up a notch, to get more bang for your buck, to visually improve it from the curb, from inside, from the back, what have you. So let's just start with this. I will give you this before we dive fully into it. The best way to get to the heart of a particular style is to understand its practical origins and how that style fit into the original environment from whence, whence, am I pronouncing the H enough? Whence it came. In other words, why did a style come to pass? What about it made it the right choice in that place and at that time? You see, architecture isn't just a set of random ideas, or at least it shouldn't be, but it's always rather some form of problem-solving in human dwellings that arise from certain contexts. And the better that you understand it, the better you will know how to emphasize those ideas and how to preserve its appeal. I'll give you an example, classic example. Um, what would be? Oh, wraparound porches and front porches. Just talk about porches. You know the wraparound porch? which uh, you find in a lot of uh, southern colonial homes, uh, Greek revival homes, some farmhouse homes. Do you know its original origin? It's very simple. It's for cooling. It predates air conditioning. And so you've got wraparound porches all the way around a house uh, in areas where there's a lot of heat, specifically a lot of humidity. And so what was devised is this idea of Stretching the roof out, creating a porch all the way around, not only to hang out in the shade, but also, most importantly, to allow you to open the windows on any side of the house, wherever the breeze is coming from. And that wraparound porch pre-cools the air that is approaching the house so that cooler air is what is moving in through those windows. And therefore, the house cools down. Front porches... Just front porches, the whole idea of the suburban front porch, that dates back to the beginning of suburban life. When, prior to modern-day conveniences that we've got today, the backyard was utilized for far more utilitarian purposes. You had laundry lines stretched back there, uh, 
quite likely there was an outhouse out there. There were animals living out there. Uh, there was your vegetable garden in the backyard. It wasn't the dream escape that we think of when we think of backyards today. And so the front yard out in front of the house, the front lawn, the street, looking at your neighbors, communicating to your neighbors, seeing your neighbors walk by, interacting with them, that was the escape from the inside of the house. Do you see? To understand those things, uh, to understand the context from which these things came, is to better understand the style that you've got. So, for instance, here's a simple fix. If you've got a front porch that doesn't have chairs sitting on it, whether you use them or not, if it doesn't have chairs sitting out there or the porch wasn't made large enough to fit chairs, well, then you know what you need to do if you want to increase the authenticity of that architectural feature of your home. And I'm going to give that kind of brilliant advice for as many different styles of home as I can get my hands on today Uh, and whatever's on your mind. I'm here to talk with you. Any topic, any problem, the number to call, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833, the number two, Ask Dean. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. Hang tight. We're just getting started. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Sometimes I wonder why I spend a lonely night dreaming of a song and the melody. Though I dream in vain. KFI AM 640. Classic, traditional home styles, classic music. Mm hmm. Okay. Oh, and whistling. Okay. Hey, I've got a question for you. What are you doing on Sunday, September 30th? I hope you're celebrating the first week of autumn by having lunch with me. Because starting today, we're running a new contest for an intimate group of listeners and their plus ones to be my guests here at KFI for the live broadcast of Home. We're calling it the House Whisperer fall hangout because why not come see how the sausage is actually made meet producer miranda engineer curtis cub reporter and weather goddess julie slater and of course (laughs) the boss uh tina the dean whisperer you will sit in studio with me for the show we'll give you the nickel tour of the iheart studios and then the best part of all after the show is done we'll order in some lunch and we will sit down and we will talk about design about your house, you, me, life, anything you want to talk about. Doesn't that sound fun? I hope I win. I look forward to uh, meeting me in person. Guest, be our guest with our service to <laughs> Thank you, guest. Curtis. Tie your napkin so what do you need to do to go on this little adventure with us? Here's what you need to do. You find us right now on... Fi- okay, we're good with that. Thank you. You find us right now on Facebook, At Home with Dean, uh, where Christina has just posted the House Whisperer Fall Hangout post for today. Then you follow us, and you leave a comment on the House Whisperer Fall Hangout post. So you got to like us, follow us, 
and leave a comment on that post that Tina just posted moments ago, and that's it. We will, before the show is over, pick two winners each week for the next three weeks, and uh, then we'll all hang out together on September 30th. So go check out Facebook right now if that sounds interesting to you. I would love to meet you and see you here and hang out with you for a bit. So uh, that's how it's going to go. All right. Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer here. You're listening to Home, where every week we help you better understand that place where you live so you can transform it from an ordinary house into an extraordinary home. And speaking of transforming ordinary houses into extraordinary homes, so much of that process, if you live in a home that was made by somebody else uh, that you are now inhabiting, so much of that process has to do with reauthenticating the style of home that you're living in, bringing it closer and closer to the style that it was kind of, sort of, almost looking like it was made to be, which is pretty typical for homes in Southern California. So I'm right in the middle of making some key suggestions about that. Let me give you six quick points that are the guiding rules for this process. And then uh, I hope as the show goes forward, I'm going to be dropping in all sorts of practical suggestions about uh, how you can emphasize particular styles. But rule number one, don't go back in nostalgia to old home structure. We have learned a lot about building in the last hundred years. Craftsmanship is rare these days. Yes, it ain't like it used to be uh, across the board. But engineering, engineering is better than ever. Do not go backwards uh, when it comes to engineering. So here's one of those things where, again, the inauthenticity that I want you to build into your authentic home is that under the skin of the home, it looks completely different than it used to 100 years back or whenever that style uh, that you're looking at uh, came into being. Number two, and along the same lines here, technology. You do not actually want to live in a 150-year-old authentic home. You don't. You don't want outdoor plumbing. You don't want no insulation in the walls. You don't want squeaky floors. You don't want uh, wood fire uh, heating or gas lamp uh, soot on the ceiling of your house because that's what you use to light your home. You don't want that. You want to live a 21st century high-tech life inside the shell of what looks like a nostalgic period home. So don't shy away from technology. In fact, I have a theory that the older the shell that we're trying to emulate, the more it benefits from high tech. Uh, It's just that we're going to uh, hide the tech as much as possible, which is the destiny of all technology. All human technology is destined to become invisible. What do I mean by that? I mean the pen hearing that, that I'm holding in my hand right now. Uh, It is a piece of technology. It allows me to get my thoughts out on a piece of paper, which is basically a, uh, you know, a a hard drive to store my thoughts. Uh, This pen, if it draws too much attention to itself, then I sit here and I'm concentrating on the pen. I don't get any writing done. But when I start to write, I forget that the pen is there. It becomes a seamless, invisible extension of my hand. You get it? Same with glasses or contact lenses or, you know, whatever. Canes, all technology is destined to become invisible. That's where we want it to go, and that's what we're going to do with an authentic 
home. Okay, uh, I've got more on this list to tell you, and then we're going to start picking apart uh, particular styles. When we come back, I want to take your calls. What's on your mind regarding your home today? Give me a call. I would love to help. 833-2-ASK-DEAN is the number to call. 833, the number 2, ASK-DEAN. Call me. Call me now because, uh, you know, we could talk. Uh, or shoot us a question on social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, at Home with Dean. You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. KFI AM 640. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're talking about how to make traditional home styles more authentic today. And we're also talking with you and taking your calls. The number, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. We are also trying to get you signed up to spend some time with me on Sunday, September 30th. It's our House Whisper Fall Hangout. Come down, sit here in the studio with me on Sunday morning, watch the show go live. We'll give you the tour of the iHeart Studios, and then we'll all sit down for some lunch, and we'll just talk. We'll just hang out. You meet everybody, and we'll hang out. How is that? I know you've been wanting to talk to me directly about your house. Now's your chance, so all you have to do to enter, we're going to be taking uh, two winners every week for the next three weeks. To enter, you find us on Facebook right now, at Home with Dean. You follow us, and you leave a comment on the House Whisper Fall Hangout post that is sitting there waiting for you, and you are in. We'll announce the winner at the end of the show today. Okay, you are home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisper, saving America from bad design decisions, one home at a time, starting with yours And we're going to get back to talking about how to make traditional homes styles more authentic. But first, we're going to talk to Robert. Robert, welcome home. Hey, how are you, Dean? Great. How are you doing? Good, good. I appreciate you taking my call. I had a a question about, um, we have a 1939 house in Long Beach. And um, it was built, a lot of houses in our area, it was built on a clay soil. And there's quite a bit of cracking and foundation movement and we've had um, about three or four people come out to give us uh, uh, solutions and estimates and I'm just uh, completely confused on because uh, I've got four different solutions and prices that just go all over the place for this and I just my worst nightmare is just throwing a bunch of money into it and having the same problems come back. I got you. All right, so let's real quick, let's talk about it. You've got a 1939 house. You This is not a slab, right? No, no, a raised foundation. This is a raised foundation. you got a subfloor. you got a crawl space underneath your house. Congratulations, by the way. Hang on to that puppy. Um, and uh, so the big question is, uh, yeah, 1939, we didn't have the same seismic codes. We weren't putting the same kind of steel in the foundation that we are today. We're not building them. It, it dovetails into what I'm talking about today so perfectly. We are, engineering-wise, we're building houses today better than we ever have. But that does not mean that we can't retrofit your place to keep it going and going strong. The question is, when we talk about lots of cracking and settling, and yeah, clay soil, very expansive. So when it gets wet, it starts to move. Uh, and then it locks up again. 
Uh, when we're talking about your place, are we talking about the foundation, the footings cracking in a way that uh, you're getting rooms out of level, uh, floors are now sloping? Is it just a lot of cracks that are appearing? What the key here is, what is the extent of the physical damage that's happening as a result of the foundation cracking? All right, so we, we've got cracks in the ceilings. Definitely the, the floors are not level. You can put a marble on there, and it's just going to roll. And um, we had somebody come out, and they did the, the measurements where they take the highest point of the house and then uh, do uh, measurements all around. And at the lowest point is, I think, two inches lower than the highest point. All right, and how big is the house? How many square feet? Uh, let's see. Without the addition, it is um, about... Uh, 1800 I'd say. Okay. So, yeah, that's a lot of drop. Two inches, that's a lot of shifting that's going around. So, uh, what kind of solutions uh, have you been told about? Digging under the existing footings, jacking them up, yeah. uh, putting more concrete pads under them? Have you had somebody talk about helical piers? What are the suggestions? Yeah, all of those. So, the helical piers are the most expensive that we've uh, been quoted, but it in my mind, that makes the most sense because they're drilling down to bedrock and you get a, a real firm, um, you know, foundation or place for the house to sit without the soil making it move. But then we've heard about less expensive things where they do underpinning, where they just put a, a larger slab underneath. But then with that, we've been told that with a larger slab underneath, you're just adding more weight to the house. Right. And that might not be a good fit as well. So. And then uh, the piers are, you know, kind of tilted all around the house or inside the the crawl space. So we're not sure if we need to kind of straighten those. Those definitely need to be straightened, I guess. Anyways, but okay. Now, do uh, you have a do you have a wood cripple wall, a short wood wall, going from the concrete up to where your actual floor begins, or is it all uh, cement uh, stem wall all the way up right to where the floor starts? Now there's a, a the cripple wall with the, the cement, and then it goes to the uh, to the wood. Okay, so cement, then a cripple wall, and then the wood. Correct. Okay, so here are my three key suggestions. Number one, uh, you've you've done the right thing by having a bunch of people come out. Okay, uh, I am leaning in the direction that you're leaning. I'm sorry that it's the most expensive fix, but I also know for certain that it's the best fix, and that is going with the helical piers, which are uh, for anybody who doesn't understand what those are. These are basically gigantic drill bits that uh, get drilled down into the ground all around the outside of the foundation of your house. And we keep, just like we're drilling an oil well, we keep adding pipe, adding uh, rods to those drill bits. They keep going deeper and deeper until the bottom of the drill bit digs into bedrock. It could be 10 feet down. It could be 20 feet down. It could be 40 feet down. But once it hits bedrock, then we jack the foundation of the house to its proper level with a hydraulic uh, mechanism that's attached to the pier, and then we rebolt it and fix it. And essentially, the house from now on out is uh, sitting on stilts, not actually dependent on the soil that's directly under the footings, and it will never shift again, period, end of story. And you're level, and and we're back uh, you know, to having essentially... Uh, the best shot of uh, resetting the house to its original construction. Now, that's my leaning. However, the one person that you haven't talked to yet that you need to talk to 
that I would recommend, it's going to cost you two, 300 bucks, is to call a soils engineer. Not a contractor who's going to try and sell you their system of doing things, but a soils engineer, not a structural engineer, a soils engineer. They are all over the place. You can find one near you. you just Google it and you'll find them. To come out and give you an evaluation of what they suggest. They will know the soil in your neighborhood. They will understand the soil under your house. They'll understand its patterns. They'll understand its history. And they will be able to give you the very best advice as to how to permanently fix the problem. So, number one, consider the helical piers. I think it's the best solution. Number two, soils engineer. Number three, for that wood stem wall or cripple wall in between your concrete and the rest of the floor, while you're doing all of this, you need to get that thing reinforced with shear wall. You need to get it seismically reinforced so that in the next earthquake, it's not just about the concrete cracking under your foundation, but also to make sure that the house never shifts off of that uh, stem wall, that cripple wall. Um, that is just minor expense in compared to everything else that you're doing. You won't even notice that that you're paying for that as well. And in fact, it'll just be part of the process. But you want to make sure both of those things happen. You fix the the uh, the foundation and you stiffen that cripple wall, and that can all be done from the inside. You don't have to mess up your stucco or anything. It can be done from right. inside the crawl space, and you make that uh, work for you. Uh, Robert, thanks for the call, man. I hope that works out for you. Like I said, call the soils engineer. All right. Uh, oh, I'm late getting to break. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the house When we come back, more about making your traditional home more authentic. KFI AM 640. Tina, why do women date bad boys? You would know because you used to date bad boys before you met me. We all did. Because I'm a good boy. Sort of. Ish. Almost. Enough. Good enough. <sighs> Julie, did you used to date bad boys? Oh, yes. Over and over and over again. But I finally am with a good guy now. All right. Everyone can be relieved. A lumberjack, right? <laughs> Very close to that, yes. <laughs> did you notice my beard? Ish. I can't. I can't even see it. Really, it's too. All right, I'll glare. have to show you. Uh, Please, at the next break. Let's make an appointment. Uh, because there's like, there, you know, because this next week here we're doing some fun stuff. We're taking the boop to Disneyland and a few things like that. And so you so, just let it all loose. Yeah, I just I haven't. You know, nothing here. Nice. For, this is like three days full. Three days worth of growth. I'm here. squinting. I still can't see. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you. Too much glare. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like anybody cares. Other than Julie and Tina, also. Uh, welcome home. <laughs> I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, and uh, we're here talking about stuff. What are we talking about? We're talking about how to make your period traditional motif home even more authentic looking than it already is. And you know, my guess is it, it may be lacking in that area if you live in a typical Southern California or Southwestern built home built after World War II. Uh, for the uh, lowest amount of money possible, 
uh, in the fastest way possible. So uh, we started to talk about my list, my kind of six rules. I've already talked to you about structure. In fact, we took a call from Robert who was having structural issues with a 1939 home. Uh, So structure today, engineering, better than ever. Don't go backwards. You don't want that kind of authenticity in your house. The second thing was technology. Again, you don't want to live the way folks lived 150 years ago, not entirely at least. You want some aspect of it. That's why you're picking that period. But uh, you don't want the rest. You want to live a 21st century life with the values uh, that may have been happening back then, but you want to live it in the 21st century with all of that tech. We just have to learn how to hide it properly so that right under the surface we've got a modern home uh, with uh, you know a nostalgic shell. Number three. You need to decide if you're going to be working with a traditional home that looks new or looks old. What do I mean by that? Let's just say you're going to build a a turn-of-the-century Victorian home. Is what you're after, when you're done, a a home that looks like it was just built just now, like, like it's 1901 and you just bought this home and moved into it, or if you want the look uh, of, hey, look at us, we're living in a 120-year-old home. Same motif, but different accents, and you just need to decide which way you're going when you go with a traditional home. Do you want it to look 150 years old, or do you just want it to look brand new from that period? Number four, understand the difference between decoration and ornamentation. Now, this is an area where it gets a little foggy for a lot of people. Here's how I define it. The difference between decor and ornamentation when it comes to architecture is that ornamentation is a is embedded in the function of the house. In other words, it's growing out of the structure itself for specific purposes. Decor or decoration is something that's hanging on the surface of the house, okay? Now, how does this apply to authenticity? Well, I'll take a classic example. Let's say you've got a home style that has exterior shutters. It could be a colonial. It could be uh, – we'll just stick with that. Um, you've got exterior shutters uh, as decor or as a, as a motif around your exterior windows. Here's the huge question that I ask again and again. Are those shutters decorative-looking or are they ornamental? where it looks like they're growing out of the very spirit of the house itself. What's the difference? The number one failing of exterior shutters in post-World War II houses across the land is that the shutter doesn't actually look sized properly, that if, and I know it doesn't hinge, but if it were to hinge over and cover the window, which is its purpose to protect those windows from storms, if it hinged over, it wouldn't even cover half of the window. You got a huge window in width, and you got these spindly little 12 inch or 14 inch shutters off to the side. Whether you think about it or not, whether anybody even runs it through their head or not, I guarantee you, people look at that all the time, and we see it, and we're like, eh, that's just decor. If you want to make those shutters ornamental, then you're going to take them off. You're going to put some shutters on that look substantial, that look as if they could close over and actually cover that window. And if you want to take it the rest of the way, then you might even show me a little hardware. You might show me a hinge or a strap. And it doesn't have to be the old authentic stuff. You could just put something on that looks 
that way, a gate strap, a door hinge, something, so that when I look at those shutters, something in my head says, oh, they could close those if they wanted to. And boom, we are in the authenticity zone. All right, much more to come. If you've got questions about your home, I've got answers. The number to call me, 833-2-ASK-DEAN, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call. Let me help you out. The second hour of Home Approaches. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Welcome to the second hour of home here on KFI AM 640. If you've just tuned in, if you're just getting on board with us, I got a question for you. What are you doing on Sunday, September 30th? Hopefully, you're celebrating the first week of autumn by having lunch with me. Because starting today, we're running a new contest for an intimate group of listeners and their plus ones to be my guests here at KFI for the live broadcast of home. It's live every week, but, you know, that week you are there too. Come see how the sausage is made. Meet producer Miranda and engineer Curtis and uh, weather goddess Julie Slater. And, of course, the boss, Tina, the Dean Whisperer. Sit in studio with me during the show. Get the nickel tour of the iHeart Studios. And then, best of all, after the show, we're going to order in some lunch, and we're all going to sit down, and we're going to talk. Talk about design, answering questions about your house, talk about you, me, life, anything you want to talk about. That sounds fun, right? I hope you win because I want to meet you, and I want to hang out. So what do you need to do? Find us right now on Facebook, at Home with Dean, then Follow us and leave a comment on the House Whisper Fall Hangout post that Tina posted at the beginning of today's show. Um, you have to follow us and leave a comment. That's it, though. And at the end of the show, we will pick two winners, and we'll keep doing that each week for the next three weeks, and then we'll all hang out together on September 30th. It's that simple. Let's do it. All right. You're home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisper, here to help you unlock the power of story in your home. And that's what we're talking about today, the power of story, the power of story in making a traditional home motif even more authentic than it was before. And uh, what I've got uh, today is I've got some rules for how to see that accomplished in your house, and then I'm going to start throwing in uh, practical, uber-practical tips on how to make this happen for each and every motif I can think of and have time to talk about. Um, we've done four rules so far. If you've missed them, go back and listen to the first part of the show. There are two left, number five and number six. Number five is this, very quick. Too much period-appropriate decor on the inside of your house is inauthentic. Don't overdo it. Uh, I like to share this all the time, uh, especially with some of my wealthier clients, that uh, they will go out of their way to create a very period-specific, very authentic house. But right in the midst of it, and this has been the case all throughout the history of architecture, right in the middle of that house, 
uh, they will drop something that is just something completely out of context, something that's very them, something that has to do with their family heritage or their family history. I remember years and years ago, I did a 15,000-square-foot French colonial house in Beverly Hills, and in the midst of this gigantic house, the uh, after-dinner room we called the Moroccan room because we did this for a a French-Moroccan client, and uh, this was appropriate for them. So it was full of pillows and onion-shaped domes, and it was a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. had nothing to do with French colonial design of the rest of the house. So don't overdo it on period-appropriate decor. Number six, and this is the summary of the whole thing, you identify key elements of each architectural style, of the architectural style of your home, and you accentuate them. That's the key to this whole thing, and that's what we're going to start to talk about in my list. Uh, For instance, and this is a big one. I'll just give you this hint right up the front. The biggest mistake that Mediterranean-style homeowners make, and there are gabillions of Med-style homes in Southern California and across the Southwest, the biggest mistake homeowners make is not uh, investing enough in the roof. Med homes are all about that clay tile roof. You cheap out on that clay tile roof, you've compromised the whole thing. I'm not a big fan of S-tiles. Some of us don't have any choice. That's what we got when you bought your home. But there are ways to make the S-tile roof more authentic looking, even though technically it's not an authentic clay tile roof. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, We're going to get into it uh, deeper. But first, uh, I need to talk to Preston because he's just been waiting around too long. Preston, welcome home. Thanks, Dean. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. So I had an issue with my home that was built in 92, um, where I've had a leak uh, two years ago and then just recently. Uh, They were both uh, pinhole leaks in copper pipe. And uh, after the first leak, I got recommended to uh, do a uh, type of filtering system for the home to try to get the chloramines or chloramides out of the water system to try to prevent further leaks. And I had another one, and now um, the thought of repiping comes into play. And uh, I'm not sure whether to go with copper, PEX, or uh, maybe do some type of uh, e-coating, uh, epoxy type of coating that goes on the interior. I'm just a little confused on what you would recommend and what you think might be best uh, for our home. Okay. Great question. So the number one recommendation I'm going to make is you've got in my thinking there are two choices number 1 if you've if you want to take an estimate for epoxy coating the inside of your existing copper pipes go for it see where that falls just make sure that you are talking to an uber qualified epoxy coating specialist company in which this is their main deal that they do it and do it again and again and they should have a list as long of your, as your arm of recent glowing recommendations where it all worked because companies that fiddle with this a little bit can really mess it up. Uh, it has to be done at the right pressure in just the right way. Otherwise, the epoxy lining on the inside of those pipes can actually cause more problems, clog the pipes. It, just, it can become a nightmare. So mm-hmm. take that quote and, uh, and see what it's going to cost you. But then compare that against a repipe. And when you repipe, the goal is you get this stuff out of the slab. You get water lines feeding your house up out of the slab. You go 
overhead. Now, my preference these days, because I think it's the future, and there, I think there are a hundred reasons why uh, to do it right, is to go with PEX. Type A PEX with expansion connectors. I'm not a big fan of the hose clamp connectors or the crimp connectors on PEX. I like to use Type A PEX with expansion connectors because, in my opinion, uh, in my experience in using it, um, it is foolproof and flawless, and uh, it will last. It will outlast the rest of the life of the house, as far as that goes. If you're a a, a, a copper fanatic, copper is fine too. But what you're experiencing, even though the house was built, you know, not that long ago compared to most houses, uh, your water lines right now are 26 years old. Most people assume copper is forever. Copper is not forever. The best grade of copper is usually rated for between 20 and 22 years. Now, a lot of people get 50 years out of their copper. That's fine. I'm not arguing that fact that it can last that long. But copper is not rated to last forever. It does start to pit. It can start to fail, especially copper in the ground where it's getting unfiltered, as you put, uh, uh, chlorine content that etches the copper from the inside. That's why I love recommending whole house water filter systems um, and other facets of ground moisture that affect the copper. So my, uh, in conclusion, uh, check out the epoxy coating because that would resolve the in-ground and the pitting issue anyway. Uh, see what that number looks like in comparison with the repipe. In that case, you can keep things in the ground. But my preference is to go overhead, get water lines out of the ground, do it with PEX, PEX Type A with expansion fittings, um, and then uh, you should be home free, Preston. Thanks for your call, buddy. I really appreciate it. Okay, when we come back, I'm going to start dropping in uh, pearls, pearls of wisdom for every imaginable home style I can and the things that are within your control to change it. I'm also here to talk with you about anything from design issues to DIY questions. 833-2-ASK-DEAN is the number to call. 833, the number 2, ASK-DEAN. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. Hang tight. There's more to come. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. There's an old man called Mississippi. What does he care if the land ain't free? Old man river, that old man river. He must know something, but don't say nothing. He just keeps rolling. He keeps on rolling along. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, KFI AM 640. You dug deep for that one. That was really nice. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Have you just tuned in? Have you missed part of my rule set for authenticating your period-style house? Well, you don't have to miss it because the show, today's show, like every week's show, about an hour after we go off the air, in fact, will be on the free iHeart app as a podcast in podcast form there for you to listen to it as many times as you need to Whenever you want to, we are building a permanent home improvement reference library for you on the free iHeart app. Every show we've ever done, every topic we've ever discussed, every time I nerd out on something, 
which now I think our average is up to every 3.8 seconds. I nerd out on something. There whenever you need them. Go to the free iHeart app. And also, you're going to find uh, every bit of music on planet Earth there and everything from every host and every show on KFI. Okay. Oh, also, September 30th, Sunday, September 30th, we are doing the House Whisperer Fall Hangout, in which myself and a small intimate group of listeners uh, are going to sit here in studio during the show, live broadcast of home, get a tour of the iHeart Studios, meet my team here that puts the show together every week, and then we're after the show, we're going to have lunch, we're going to sit down, and we're just going to talk. Talk about anything you want to talk about. Your house, me, you, design, anything. Sounds fun, right? Okay, what do you need to do to enter? You go to Facebook, you find us, at Home with Dean, you follow us, you like us, and then you leave a comment on the House Whisper Fall Hangout post that Tina posted at the beginning of the show. At the end of today's show, that list will close out, and we will pick two winners this week. And uh, we're going to do two winners uh, every week for uh, the next uh, few weeks, uh, next three weeks. Uh, and then we'll all hang out together on September 30th. Okay? So go take care of that as well. You can also call me today if you want to talk. 833-2-ASK-DEAN is the number to call. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Okay. Now, I promised that we would actually get to specific suggestions, very practical suggestions about every style of uh, home out there in Southern California. I'm not going to get to all of them. Clearly, uh, let me just start right off the top with easy pickings. Victorian. A lot of people misunderstand Victorian homes. Why? Because it's a huge category. Huge. The Victorian era was 64 years long. Okay? That's a long time for uh, Queen Victoria to be ruling on the throne. The amount of architecture that occurred during that period of time is technically all Victorian, but it took on several different forms. There's Second Empire, there's Stick, there's Shingle, there's Romanesque, there's uh, Eastlake, Italianate. But most people that I have encountered, when they think of Victorian, you are actually thinking about Queen Anne or what we call gingerbread Victorian. All sorts of funky wood trim on the front of the house. But here are the, uh, the pitfalls to Victorianism when it comes to homes because of the era in which it was built. The rooms tend to be small. You don't walk into a Victorian house, a normal-sized Victorian house, and find big, expansive uh, rooms. You find relatively small rooms because they were easy to heat and control in that way. You find tall, thin windows emphasizing the height of the structure itself. Most Victorian, especially Queen Anne windows, are rectangular, vertically rectangular. Anything you can do to emphasize that is key. And this should be self-evident. Victorian architecture, specifically Queen Anne, it's all about the gingerbread. It's all about trim and paint. So if you're going to invest in this Victorian experience you are going to keep all of that wood on the house, at least the front of the house, trimmed up, painted. You're going to use creative color combinations, not just all one color, not even just two colors. I'm talking 
you want to get some complementary colors going on in there, some contrasting colors, some trim colors, some primary colors, four, five, six colors on the front of a Victorian house with a lot of trim. Okay? Craftsman. Craftsman, my favorite form of American suburban architecture coming out of the arts and crafts movement, a reaction, by the way, against Victorianism and all of that gingerbread. The craftsman movement was about simplicity, clean lines, maintaining high levels of craftsmanship, but cleaning it all up and kind of going minimalist, almost Asian uh, in a lot of ways. Like Queen Anne Victorian, there's a lot of wood going on with the craftsman. A typical craftsman, a classic craftsman bungalow, is either a single story or one and a half stories in which we hide part of a second floor in the roof line. And uh, different than a Victorian, with a craftsman, you're going to find a centralized living room area that's larger and more open plan, a little bit more like how we like to live today, but not huge homes, typically speaking. So that large open living room and entertaining area uh, happens at the expense of smaller bedrooms and usually no master suite in a craftsman home. You're just another bedroom with just another bath down the hallway like everybody else. And craftsmen, because of all the heavy woods, can end up being really dark inside. So you want to be aware of that. But with craftsmen, the front, it's all about earthy paints. It's all about taking care of that wood. If there's plaster in the house, it's smooth plaster. Smooth Not sandy, not rough, not orange peel, smooth. And you're never going to hoard and get away with it in a craftsman home because by definition, these are minimalist kind of living experiences. And out in the front, the fences and the gates, that's the beginning of the home. That needs to match and correlate with what's going on. Also, craftsman, front porches, baby. Front porches. Chairs out there. Make me believe you spend time interacting with your neighbors, and I will believe you're living in an authentic craftsman home. Okay, more to come. You're listening with home to with to who? What am I saying? You're listening to home with Dean Sharp, the house whispered. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. I feel like I'm watching an old black and white cartoon there. Like somebody's getting hit with a club right now, something. All right. It's 1035-ish, I think. This is the last segment. This is the last segment, the last chance you've got to sign up today, this week, for the House Whisperer Fall Hangout that we're going to do on September 30th, in which a few lucky listeners are going to come down here and hang out with me live in the studio. We're going to tour the iHeart Studios. You're going to watch the show as it happens. Then we're going to sit down for lunch afterwards, and we're just going to talk and hang out and have a blast and celebrate the first week of fall. And you're going to get some one-on-one FaceTime with the House Whisperer. This is the last segment, not the last segment of the show, but the last segment before producer Miranda randomly picks two lucky winners. So now is the time to do it. To enter, you got to go to Facebook, at Home with Dean. Uh, You're going to follow us and leave a comment on the House Whisper Fall Hangout post. 
And uh, and then that's it. And you'll find out next segment who is the winner. Okay. You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisper, here every week to help you transform your ordinary house into an extraordinary home. And I am talking to you about authenticating your period-style, traditional motif house. We've talked about Victorians. We've talked about craftsmen. I've given you a list, a general list of the rules for how to approach this whole thing. I want to dive in and talk more about other styles. There are a lot of Tudor-style homes, Tudor homes in Southern California and across the West. With a real authentic Tudor, you're going to get things that you don't necessarily want. Low ceilings, smaller rooms, again, because this comes from a period of time in which we are heating the room with wood or coal, and uh, the smaller the room, the thicker the walls, the smaller the windows, the better. And you're going to find this, generally speaking, is true of a lot of older period stuff, especially stuff that comes from Western, Northwestern Europe and uh, the Northeastern United States. Why? Because it can get cold, really cold. And these things grow out of those situations. They grow out of those climates. And they these are architectural styles that are designed to combat that. Also, it's a period of time in which we were all still afraid of nature. We were doing our best to get away from nature. We had to spend more time than we wanted to out subjected to the elements. So the idea of getting inside and getting all comfy and cozy and being surrounded by walls everywhere was not that bad of an idea. Not being able to see outside real easily, not that big of a priority. Now it is for us. So we've got to find some ways of kind of straddling that fence. So... When it comes to a Tudor, I don't want you to worry about the size of the windows, especially as it faces the back of the house. That's a general rule uh, for everybody. What I want you to worry about is that Tudor patterning that you see on the front of your house. Exposed beams, those uh, that wood trim. If you didn't know, a Tudor home was a timber-framed house. That stuff was the stuff that was actually holding up the house in an authentic Tudor. In Tudors that you're living in, you're not living in an authentic Tudor, I, I guarantee you. You're not living in a timber-framed house with wattle and daub plaster uh, filling in between. You're living in a regular-framed house, a modern-framed house with timber trim on the outside. So the key is make that wood trim look like structural beams in the direction that they run, in the patterns that they use. And this is my personal preference. I love seeing a lot of contrast on a Tudor house. I want to make the most of it. So I want the stucco as bright as possible, as light and bright as possible. A completely authentic original Tudor would simply have kind of off-white creamy stucco just because that's the color of the plaster, and the plaster would not have been colored, colorized, uh, or painted. And then you've got really dark wood. Now, initially... That wood would have started looking like a regular unfinished wood, but in a moist, cold climate, it would start darkening, and it got really super dark. So dark wood emphasize uh, the uh, the contrast there for a Tudor house. Tons of mid-century homes, and mid-century is such a big thing now. Open plan, vaulted ceiling, lots of glass. We all love 
all of that stuff. Sometimes a mid-century can feel a little cold and impersonal, so you got to work real hard to uh, make sure that it's got you uh, imprinted on it. Mid-century comes from the 1950s, classically, a little bit earlier, uh, late 40s into the 50s, and it is characterized by modern, I say quote-unquote modern materials. It was, you know, everything. we were so excited about the space age that uh, we were now turning to these homes and saying, hey, look at what we can do. Uh, the problem with mid-century in the 50s is that uh, the materials weren't all that they were cracked up to be in order to emulate the architectural design that they were trying for. So you got rock roofs that ended up leaking and no insulation and thin, leaky glass panels and lots of formica and stuff like that. So the good news is this. Mid-century, and this is one of the reasons why it's so popular now, everything we dreamed of achieving with a mid-century house back in the 50s but failed at, we can now accomplish. We've got the materials to make a flat uh, roof that will never leak again for the life of the house. We've got windows that uh, don't allow heat in to penetrate the way those old thin pieces of glasses. We've we've got insulate. We've got everything it takes to turn uh, a mid-century house into the thing that it always dreamed of being. Um, ranch, single story, minimalist home. It's an agricultural based house. Uh, a real authentic ranch has open beam vaulted ceilings. Uh, we call the purest form of this a rectangular ranch, a rambler. Uh, there are also L and U-shaped ranch houses, but you just need to know this. A ranch house like a cottage house uh, and uh, like a lower-grade uh, simplistic Cape Cod house, these were all agricultural homes. They were not dramatic. They were not overly ornate. They were beautiful, simple places for people who worked the land to live near the land that they were working. The key with a ranch house, in my opinion, is to emphasize landscape, set it in a pastoral setting, and not overly allow other elements to creep in. Uh, I see so many ranch houses that end up with the wrong roof on them. Uh, doesn't look like a simple shingle roof. Uh, I see picket fences outside ranch houses instead of ranchy kinds of uh, fences. I see all sorts of elements that people... I see like colonial-style front doors or strange uh, big oak doors with oval leaded glass in them that belong in a Victorian but are sitting on your ranch house because somebody told you uh, just the fancier, more expensive door is the better thing for your house. Not so. Take a look, uh, search for authentic ranch houses, take a look at them, and get a sense of the simplicity and, uh, and uh, the subtlety of a ranch house. They really can be a beautiful house, but understatement is the key. All right, I got a few more to share with you. We're going to do that when we come back right after the break. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, The House Whispered. to talk with all by myself no one to walk with but i'm happy on the shelf ain't misbehaving saving my love for you for you for you for you kfi am 640 more stimulating talk thank you curtis for all the old music today it's beautiful 
Hey, coming up next, Leo Laporte, the tech guy, right after we're done here today. And uh, what else am I announcing? Oh, hey, uh, today's House Whisper Fall Hangout winners. Here's the, the announcement. The first two people who are going to be hanging out with me on September 30th are Jerry Rewa. Did I get that right? Rewa? And Nisha, I hope I said that right, Davis. Jerry Rewa and Nisha Davis, congratulations to both of you and your plus ones, whoever you're going to bring with you. Producer Miranda is going to be reaching out to you with all the deets. Everybody else, try again next week. We're going to be doing this for the next few weeks, right up until September 30th. Also, next week, uh, as far as the show goes, uh, have you ever dreamed in your remodeling plans of putting in one of those big accordion-style glass doors? They are like the thing these days, right? Technically, they're called movable glass walls. Well, next week. We're going to tell you everything you need to know about those critters. Can you do it? What's it going to take? What should you expect? What are the different options you've got? Is it going to fit with your design style? And, of course, <laughs> how much is it going to cost? That is next week on the show. So uh, don't miss it. Tune in. You're going to learn a lot. All right. Before we are finished today, I still have a couple of classic traditional house styles to talk about. Let me start with the one that I've already pretty much covered uh, as far as uh, emphasizing the authenticity of your home and what you can do to it. Colonials, it's a big category. It's like Victorian. It's actually a really big category. It can get, range from salt box colonials to Cape Cods to neoclassicals. Not going to get into all of that. Just going to say this. With colonials, two things. One, Shutters. I already talked about the shutters. Make sure those shutters are big enough to at least look like they could cover the window that they're hanging on. Second thing with colonial, symmetry. Colonials are all about order. It's about the the, the new world. It's about new concepts of uh, intellectualism. It's about a mind that is balanced. And so colonial uh, homes are all about symmetry. The front door centered on the house, symmetrical pairs of windows leading to the left and to the right. And, of course, that varies in various styles. But all about symmetry. And then as far as trim goes and the way you want to colorize your colonial, lots of contrast. Dark roof, dark trim, darker trim, lighter walls, bold contrast. And usually a front door that's uh, maybe a different color altogether. We've talked about that before. Now, let's get to, uh, last but not least, to probably the most common style here across the Southwest and in Southern California, med, Mediterranean, whether it's Spanish or French or Italian. We're talking about houses with low-sloped red tile roofs and smooth stucco. They tend to be nice and open because they come from climates that have really good weather. In fact, they work here in Southern California so well, first of all, because of our Spanish and Mexican heritage here. But secondly, and probably just most uh, profoundly, because our climate is a Mediterranean climate. So you see those low-slope red-tile roofs. We see smooth stucco. Not sandy stucco, smooth stucco. We see arches. Trim around arches, heavy stucco work around arches that I want you to paint a different color. I want you to paint a stony kind of color, more of a concrete gray. Emphasize that trim. Don't just let it be monochromatic with the rest of the house. Uh, 
And then don't ignore iron and stone. The iron and the stone work that also comes up to beautiful terracotta tiles, all of that natural stuff. But most importantly, the roof. The roof. The roof. No, it's not on fire. The roof. Make that roof as old and traditional looking as possible. Even if it's just the front edge, consider raising up those tiles, getting some mortar underneath the tiles. Take away the clay bird stop, which looks modern, and put actual balls of uh, cement inside that as bird stop. You age that roof immediately, all of a sudden you're in an authentic uh, med-style home. Okay? There's so much more every week that we could talk about, and yet time is fleeting. We've been talking a lot about authenticity today, so I'm going to leave you with this thought. I think I actually read this a few weeks ago, but it bears repeating. It should be no surprise that one of Dean's favorite American writers and thinkers is Henry David Thoreau, and especially Walden, his experiment in simple, authentic living. And Thoreau said this about our homes. The beauty of a house is not in its ornamentation, but how it aligns itself with and expresses the authentic life of its occupants. Such homes have an almost indescribable quality to them. They stand out. You can see them from a mile away, not because of any grandeur or wealth, but because they just fit. Being in them is a privilege like being invited into the very blood and bone of their owners. If you've chosen a particular style of home, hopefully it's because it matches your particular style of living. And I can help you authenticate its appearance from the street, and I can help you tell its story better, but only you can really make it authentically yours. And that's because houses are tools designed to reflect the needs and the values and the dreams and the stories of the humans who dwell inside them. The real reason I design homes is not to create lovely buildings. I don't want you living in some shell of artifice. I want you living an authentic life, digging deep and daring to live out your dreams. But you have to get honest with yourself. Sometimes easier said than done, but always worth it. I always say everything meaningful in your life has to learn how to survive honesty. Because ultimately only you know if you're living an authentic life because you're the only you that there is. But you know. Deep down inside, I know you know. And if you're not living an authentic life, then hey, let's start remodeling it today. Redesign. Find you. Pull down all traces of artifice and replace them with honest, custom craftsmanship. Dig deep. Don't just build yourself a beautiful house. Build yourself a beautiful life. I'll see you next week, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.